Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 333 of the Tannen J-Man Show. It's Monday night. It's April 3rd, 2023. Start of a new month for the Tannen J-Man Show. It's feeling like spring outside. Spring's in the air, so you know it's Masters Week. I got the green and yellow on today. It's a Sonics hat, but it's Masters colors. (laughs) So we're rolling with it. Uh, What's going on, J-Man? You know, for the first time this year, it's supposed to hit 70 degrees. I'm supposed to hit 70 degrees tomorrow, and uh, I have never been happier. We'll take it, it, won't we? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. We'll take it. We will take it. It's uh, baseball started. Like I said, Masters Week. Men's National Championships tonight. Uh, You know, the one everybody predicted between UConn and San Diego State. Um, we'll, we'll get into talking about all that and much more later on. But first, do you have a birdie or bogey question ready for me this week? I believe I do. I have a two-stroke lead after last you, week. You are a plus two to plus four. Um, tonight, either UConn's Dan Hurley or San Diego State's Brian Dutcher will become the fourth head coach in the last 20 seasons to win a title within their first four NCAA tournament appearances with the school. Can you name the other three coaches to have done this? Can you repeat the question one more time? <laughs> uh, t- tonight, yes. either Dan Hurley mm-hmm. or Brian Dutcher will mm-hmm. become the fourth head coach in the last 20 seasons to win a title within their first four NCAA tournament appearances with a school. Okay. Can you name the other three? Who? that's a tough it's one. Just a, yeah, it's it's a toughie, but uh, you have a shot because I mean, you go back twenty years and you can just think of the national champions, and, right? Uh, you should be able to name each coach um, or come close to naming mm-hmm. each coach. True. In fact, if you would, if if you couldn't name each coach, there'd be something wrong. Not true. Sure. That's true. Excuse me. Uh, Birdie Bogey is brought to you by Arlington Public House. Arlington Public House has upscale cuisine. Um, I didn't have the read pulled up, and I thought I had it memorized, and I did not have it memorized. Um, so I'm going to pull it up here uh, real quick. Uh, story, story of J-Man's life. Well, what a start. What a start. We, we, we get, we're the pros of all pros here at podcasting. Arlington Public House has upscale cuisine with a casual – start over. Uh, <laughs> well, he's brought to you by Arlington Public House. Arlington Public House has upscale cuisine and cocktails with a casual atmosphere located 703 Main Street in Rochester, Indiana. Um, they had a blackened grouper sandwich, which is an upcoming menu item. Uh, it is pan-seared, topped with mandarin orange slaw, and finished with our signature firecracker sauce served on a brioche bun and paired with fries. So it's coming up. Sounds good to me. Yet, but uh, it is coming Coming up. Sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. All right. What do you want to start with? Um, let's start with the uh, National Championship game. Final Four recap. Um, cool. You know, we were watching the games together along with all of our buddies, celebrating one of our buddies' bachelor parties. And I kind of made the comment early in the night, one game's going to be good, one game's not going to be so good. And that's kind of how it turned out. Um Man, that first one had a little bit of everything in it. Yeah. San Diego State jumps out to a double-digit lead. We're thinking, man, they're going to crush Florida Atlantic. Then by halftime, Florida Atlantic had fought back and had a six-point lead. Florida Atlantic stretches in the second half to get a double-digit lead. But then we're like, don't count San Diego State out yet. They were down uh, big to Creighton second half, down decently big to Alabama in the second half, came back, won both those games. They kept chipping away, chipping away, thought their free throw woes were going to bite them in the end. But uh, they get the defense stop when they needed it, eight seconds to go. Thought maybe they should use their one uh, last time out they had remaining because it looked like uh, the guy's name's escaping me, but he was kind of in no man's land with nowhere to go. And Lamont Butler. Lamont <clears throat> Butler, and he, and he made a play. Made a play and hit an absolutely humongous shot. You know, we we were out of we were at a restaurant uh, when this was going on, and uh, San Diego State got the ball, eight seconds left, and I heard people in the bar kind of say, "Call timeout, call timeout," and I, I kept saying, "Let play it out, play it out, play it out," and then they get into the corner, I go timeout, timeout, yeah, time yeah, yeah. and then uh, Lamont Butler rose and uh, 
hit uh, biggest shot of his life and uh, the first Final Four buzzer beater since uh, Chris Jenkins in the national championship game back in uh, 2016. And it was the uh, first buzzer beater, unless we have one tonight. It'll be the only buzzer beater of the uh, NCAA tournament so far. Uh, so pretty, pretty legendary shot. But yeah, as you said, FAU was up 13 with about seven, eight minutes left. Um, San Diego State's best player, Matt Bradley, hadn't really done a whole lot. He hit like three or four threes within the first five, six minutes and then didn't score for like 20-some minutes um, up until the final 10 minutes or so of the game. Then he kind of got uh, kind of uh, got hot again. And San Diego State with their um, patented tough, tough defense, because they gave up 40 points uh, in the first half. Uh, they, uh, they really locked in and uh, found a way to chip away, chip away, chip away, and they just uh, – um, ended up going to the national championship. San Diego State. Uh, I mean, it was F- Florida Atlantic or San Diego State. Either way, it would have been weird. Yep. Um, and it would have been even weirder had Miami won uh, on Saturday. But uh, UConn blew them out. I think we were all kind of kind of expecting um, it to be a little bit of a better game. Uh, but UConn's just been blowing every single team out in the tourney. It's been a pretty impressive run they're on. Yeah, it has. Um, UConn came out and punched. Uh, Miami in the mouth. And Miami, I think, got it down to eight at one point in the second half. And then they had two bad possessions, and UConn stretched it, and it was pretty much over from there. But um, it's going to be an interesting one tonight. I think the line the last time I saw, I think it's UConn seven-and-a-half-point favorites, I believe. At least that's what it was earlier today. Um, but you're right. If if San Diego State can pull this off, it's they're going to be the weirdest champion of our lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I said this over the weekend and uh, had some people agree with me and some people not agree with me. Um, I'm rooting for UConn. I do not want San Diego State to win a national title before like uh, Illinois wins a national title. Or even for your guys' case, Purdue wins a national title. Um, I know that's not how it works and that's not how the world works, uh, but that's that's how my brain works. Uh, but uh, San Diego State didn't have the easiest run. I know a lot of people were picking Charleston, including myself. Mm, me too. Um, and, to, and you. Uh, to uh, beat them in round one, and then they had to play. Um, they they did get the uh, benefit of playing Furman in the round of 32, but then they had to play Alabama, who was number one overall seed um, in the uh, Sweet 16, and uh, then a hot, hot Creighton team in the Elite Eight. Um, so, I mean, obviously, they're a really good basketball team, and especially after what they went through during the COVID year. Uh, they started that year 26-0, and uh, I don't remember what their record was uh, when things shut down, but they were one of the top teams in the country um, that season, and they uh, they found themselves back uh, this year, and now they're in, they're in the national title game. Who would have thought? I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say it's not like Florida Atlantic, who this was only the second time they've ever made the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. going on this run. San Diego State not only had that good year going in 2020 before COVID shut things down, 2019-2020, but they were also good when Kawhi Leonard was there. Steve Fisher had multiple teams that were pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're they're a very respectable program. It's just they're the first Mountain West team ever to make Final Four and then, of course, make the national championship. So uh, yeah. good for the Mountain West, though. though that conference can need the money. I, I wonder if this propels the Pac-12 to make a run at them. You would think. Um, mm-hmm. Why not? I mean, they're they're respectable enough in football, and yeah. you go to Pac-12, your recruiting is going to get boosted by going to a bigger conference. So they they have a decent history in both football yeah. and basketball. I mean, that's where, um, that's where Marshall, Marshall Falk, Falk yep. Marshall Falk played, right? Then T- Tony Gwynn played basketball yep. and baseball at San Diego State. Of course, uh, Stephen Strasburg baseball. Um, so they they have respectable sports programs. It's a big market. Seems like it makes uh, all the sense in the world um, for the Pac-12 to kind of make a run at them, and I think having a Final Four bid, uh, a national championship bid uh, here for San Diego State only helps their cause. And then uh, UConn, and I'll go on record. I am I'm rooting for San Diego State tonight. Um, it is frustrating as a Purdue fan, Illinois fan, to think San Diego State might win a national title before yeah. our programs who have had a lot more success and even recently um, besides the the COVID year I guess for San Diego State but um, I, I don't know I, I don't UConn I, I think you gotta call them a blue blood is if they win tonight yeah. um, I mean they're kind of sleeping dynasty of our lifetime 
and I'm just never been a big fan. I, I don't know why. Yeah, they. I mean, they have won more titles than anyone in the past this century, right? Yeah, uh, they've won three, and this will be their fourth if they win tonight. Um, Dan Hurley's a heck of a basketball coach, and I, I think he's gonna actually continue to propel them up, unlike Kevin Ollie, who won one and then tapered off and then completely tanked. Um, good, good program, and uh, they had some down years towards the end of Jim Calhoun and then towards the end of Kevin Ollie. But uh, Dan, Dan Hurley, his first two years is a little struggle there at UConn, but he's really built this thing into a juggernaut, and uh, they were arguably playing better than anyone heading into the NCAA tournament, and they carried it over for sure. Yeah, this would be their fourth. This would be their fourth national championship since 2000, mm-hmm. and it would be their fifth since uh, 98, I believe, 99, 98, 99. Um, and Duke's, Duke's won three since 2000. Okay. Because they won in 01, 2010, and 2015. I believe it was 2015, whichever year. It was in Indianapolis last. I think it was 2015. Yeah, when Duke beat Wisconsin. Yes, yes, because then the kids Duke. Well, beat I mean, Mountain. it was it was yeah. technically in Indianapolis two years ago, but yeah, the whole thing, yeah, the whole yeah, thing was, true. So. Because Duke also beat Butler in 2010 and 01, they beat Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, but um, we'll see. Should be a good game. I wish it came on. This is why I'm really jealous of you that you're living in Central Time mm-hmm. and not Eastern Time because it doesn't come on until 9:20 Eastern Time. Um, I mean, it's not as long as the college football national championship, but at least the college football committee listened to all the fans complaining, moved their game up an hour this year. Yeah. Um, I wish college basketball would do the same and started at 8.20 Eastern time or 7.20 Central time, but it is what it is. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm going to still have a really hard time staying up for that. I know, I know. I will not be staying up to watch one shiny moment I have in years past because I want to see uh, how Purdue's going to be featured. I know how they're going to be featured this year, so I do not want to watch it. Yeah, that'd be uh, that just ripped the bandaid <laughs> off again. Yeah, it's it, it's all right. It's um, you know, after a couple of weeks, you you have to come to terms with it and move on. And it helps when Zach Eadie's won every national award there is, including Naismith, which was Purdue's first Naismith winner since Glenn the Big Dog Robinson. So good yeah. for him, well deserved. And now we'll see what decision he makes in the next coming weeks and months as he goes through the draft process. The To enter the NBA draft, I think you have to put your name in by May 12th, I think, and then you have to withdraw by, I believe, May 31st. Okay. So uh, could could be a while before you hear because um, Terrence Shannon has not even announced he's going yet, uh, which we all, uh, all assume he's going to put his name in. Right. You know, Coleman Hawkins has put his name in for Illinois. But, uh, yep. So it, it it might be a few weeks before you hear anything on Edie, and of course you'll you'll hear before or you'll hear rumors anyway on the message right. boards of what's going to happen. Yeah, he uh, did say he's going to go through the process, and uh, he told the media asking the other day he's not leaning one way or the other right now. He'll get the feedback, weigh his options because he said he has two good options either way. So yeah, that's true. Um, other Big Ten basketball news uh, before we make our national championship pick. Um, big news out of uh, Ann Arbor as Hunter Dickinson has put his name into the transfer portal. See ya. Bye. So long. Bye. Um, I saw today that Maryland hired his high school basketball coach as an assistant, and they're yeah. really close. So Maryland's been getting some buzz. Duke's gotten some buzz as well. Um, Georgetown's I, I be- got some buzz. Yeah, I believe he's an East Coast kid, so that makes sense. He's from the Washington, D.C. area. So that's Maybe why Maryland he- and Georgetown yeah. are getting buzz too. Maybe, maybe he wants to go home and play his final year of college basketball. Can't really fault the guy. But uh, Michigan's looking like they could be one of the worst teams in the Big Ten next year. Uh, they're losing uh, Jet Howard, um, um, Jawan's son, and then as well as Kobe Bluffkin, Bufkin, uh, who put his name into the NBA draft and is not coming back, it sounds like. Um, so uh, Doesn't bother it, me. Doesn't bother me at all. You, you just hate to see it. I mean, they're really good at football. Again, I mean, they've always been good at football, but they're really good as in making the playoffs now. In basketball, they've made two national title games in the last decade. Or, uh, yeah, decade. So, um, they've had enough success. Knock them down a little bit. Knock them down a little bit. But we've also Jalen Huchifino, Indiana's stud freshman guard, the uh, Big Ten freshman of the year, put his name in the draft and hired an agent. So, I mean, per the rules, he could still come back, but I, I don't foresee that happening. 
Yeah, every mock I've seen, he's anywhere from like ten to twenty in that right. range. So right. uh, he's 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 gone. Yep. Um, trying to think of any other early entries uh, in the Big Ten. Um, Seth Lundy is not coming back to Penn State. Yes. He put his name in the draft, and of course, Michael Shrewsbury is Notre Dame's new head coach, and and Penn State hired a VCU's head coach, whose name's escaping me right now. Rhodes. Nick Rhodes, thank you. So, um, Mike Rhodes. Mike Rhodes, not Nick. You cut out of there a little bit. I thought you said no, Mike. That's what that's what I get for guessing on a name that ends <laughs> in K. Um, but um, yeah, so I don't know if he'll get drafted or not. But he's gone. There's going to be a lot of Big Ten teams that look really yeah. different come next year. Um, Indiana's definitely going to be one of them. Yeah, Trace Jackson Davis is gone. He's already said he's he's leaving. Uh, regardless, Trace Thompson's um, gone. Yep. Um, Xavier um, Johnson could be gone unless he gets this waiver for like a seventh year. There's been rumors about Caleb Love maybe uh, coming in. Um, Shed, Shedrick, Shedwick, Shedrick, something from Virginia. Virginia. He's a big guy. Um, some big transfer portal portal news uh, today out of Waco. LJ Cryer has put his name. Uh, he was one of the better guards in the Big 12. Um, and then out of Oral Roberts, Max Absmus, who averaged twenty over 20 points a game for uh, – ORU uh, this past season, the past four seasons, really, he's averaged 20 points a game, put his name in. So he's going to try to play some uh, big-time college ball. The transfer portal is just getting crazier and crazier <laughs> each and every year. Um, Illinois lost four guys now total, as R.J. Melendez put his name in today, which I kind of predicted over the weekend. He was you did. To. Um, it's not a surprise at all. Uh, it's it's all about – I mean, that's, that's the way it is now. You lose guys, you gain some guys. So – uh, I, the, the things that I find incredibly stupid are people putting together top 25 lists, uh, <laughs> early top 25 for next basketball yeah. season that no one knows. Like he, even Joe Lenardi put out his top 16 seeds. Sure he did. Yeah. Uh, dur- during the NIT yeah. uh, for next year. He has no idea. No. It's just ESPN is probably pushing it on him. But Can't start that stuff till June or July. Um, he, even September at this point. Right. Um, <laughs> You're probably just saying that because a lot of them have Northwestern ranked in top 25. So I, I, I saw one today that did not have Northwestern <laughs> in it, but uh, this is the object of my ire. It just, it just, Purdue has not been impacted by the portal yet. Um, Brandon Newman's the one that would not shock me. Um, it would not shock me if he goes to Notre Dame, to be honest. Um, he and Michael Shrewsbury are really close. So. Um, whereas she was close with a lot of those Purdue guys, especially that junior class, because he was still at Purdue at the time when they came in. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. Um, and I, I think he's one. If he left, there would be no hard feelings. I think his relationship with Purdue is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but Purdue will try to add a guard, a sure. point guard slash combo guard, uh, somebody that can hof- hopefully create their own shot. Uh, Matt Painter was interviewed by Andy Katz today, or over the weekend, but was posted today on Twitter. And he was talking about the loss. And, you know, he's talking about how the program's had a lot of success the last five years. You know, they've been seated well in the Big Ten or the NCAA tournament, had some Big Ten championships, Big Ten tournament championship. But he said, unfortunately, when we get into March, we keep losing to similar teams the same kind of way. Mm-hmm. And he addressed that quickness is a need. And what I liked in the interview, he said, about eight years ago, we were struggling as a program and we went back to the drawing board and kind of laid out as a foundation what we wanted. So, I mean, I'm kind of what I'm. What I'm kind of hearing is he's got to maybe change his recruiting strategy up a little bit. I mean, still probably try to grab similar guys as to what he has been, but also try to go after quickness at the same time. Mm-hmm. I I wonder if he. I mean, for the past eight nine years, they've had a guy seven foot two or taller. I wonder mm-hmm. if he starts uh, going more athletic at the post. Uh, guys who could shoot the ball as well from the outside. Uh, kind of a different style, kind of, kind of like a Jawan Johnson type. Yeah, uh, where he switched to the big bruisers. Um, well, they have one. Uh, William Berg redshirted this year. He's seven foot one, but he's very skinny. He can shoot outside, but he uh, stress fracturing his foot out the next four months, which kills his development because now he won't be able to go with the team over in Europe this summer and mm-hmm. play. So, who knows? I mean, that that I don't know. That just really hurts a kid that's redshirted. And practiced all year and, and looking to grow his development. So we'll see. But, yeah, um, and he mentioned, you know, Carson Edwards, Jaden Ivey were two guys that could create their own shot and mm-hmm. some quickness. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I just hope they land. I hope they land somebody earlier this year than they did last year because they took a 
took a swipe at quite a few guards and came up short last year before yeah. David Jenkins Jr., who fit in just fine, uh, eventually came in. So, um, yep, the world of the portal and NILs, something still trying to get used to. Uh, another program in Indiana, Butler, now is down to just five remaining players yeah. on their team as of today. Which I'm sure, uh, you, you know, Thad um, retire, retired back. I mean, it was six years ago now, mm-hmm. and the game has changed so much. And one of the reasons why he retired is he didn't like the recruiting process all that well. Well, now you're going to have to recruit even extra hard to even just keep guys yes. um, on your roster, which he's already seen guys leave. Um, the team was terrible, though, so it's probably he was probably just kind of pushing those guys out and he can bring some of his own guys in. But uh be interesting to see how long Thad wants to continue to do that already. Especially if they don't start winning. Yeah. Oh, um, I don't know. Butler's interesting. They're just – yeah, they're in an interesting spot. Yeah, they, yeah, they they had a lot of success in the horizon, and uh, where where else were they for a season or two? Or did they go straight from? For, they they were in the Atlantic Ten, I believe, for a year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they the Big East. They haven't. I mean, they've had some decent years in the Big East, but they're gonna really struggle now that the landscape has completely changed. Yep. But. Yep, it definitely it not only impacts the mid majors, it'll impact some of the smaller power six mm-hmm. schools too. Yep. Um going back to the national title, yeah. we kind of went off. That's uh, all right. Who who you got? I want San Diego State to win, but I think UConn will win. I'm going um let's go seventy seven sixty nine. Yeah, I don't know if um San Diego State has the athletes and I don't think they'll be able to score with them. Um, so I am also taking UConn to win their fourth. Uh, Sonogo for UConn's an absolute beast. Um, they have good guards as well. Dan Hurley's a heck of a basketball coach, especially offensively against this great defense. And uh, I think uh, UConn gets her done. Booking it? Uh, Save my book for you know who tonight. Oh yeah, oh yeah. How did I not see that coming? That's a it's a blunder on the on one of the co-host parts here. <laughs> I, I I almost did, and then like oh, I got I got somebody to book. Yeah, that's that's very true. You definitely do. So, but college basketball comes to an end tonight. Hard to believe it, but at the same time, I'm ready yeah, for it. At the end, so I don't stress. Um, I was kind of I'm kind of glad it's coming to an end. I enjoyed the season more than I didn't, but and it's such on a sour <laughs> note for me. Um, yeah, I'm ready to just get it over with and move on to the off season. So, yeah. well, I got some a word association for you that it's it, it. There's some college basketball in it. There's actually athletes all over the place. Um, let's get the banner up here, and uh, my dad provided this list, so I cannot take credit Beautiful. for it, but it is. A list, again. It's a list of athletes that are known for just one performance, one play, or a very short period of surprising play. It's oh, kind okay. of one-hit wonders. Mm-hmm. Let's start with basketball and Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lin had like an unbelievable two-week stretch. Insanity. Uh, I will never forget that. Um, 2012, like early 2012, he did it. Uh, and he, he hung around in the NBA for a while even after that. Mm-hmm. Um, which that kind of propelled his career. He he was, I mean, pe- people kind of make fun of him and all that um, because he had that great stretch, but he was a really, really good basketball player at Harvard Yeah, um, that people don't really talk about. He was a great college basketball player, but uh, yeah, the, the Lynn Sanity was the definition of insanity. Sold a ton of jerseys during that short stretch. Yes, he did. Uh, this one was a college guy, Spike Albrecht. Spike. I knew, I knew that guy was going to be on the mm-hmm. list. Um, didn't do anything all year, then had like 18 <laughs> points in the first half of the national title game against Louisville. He wasn't even hesitating either. Like, Aaron, he was like looking for shots and stuff. It was insane. Uh, gets interviewed by Aaron Andrews at halftime. Um, highlight of his life. He didn't do a whole lot after that either. Buster Douglas. Buster Douglas knocked out old Mikey Tyson. Uh, Mike Tyson was one of the greatest boxers ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he'd ever lost coming into not that. A, not, not, nope. Nope. And uh, old Douglas got him. Yep. Tracy Porter. Tracy Porter. I mean, he, he was a decent defensive sure. back um, out, out of Indiana, and mm-hmm. uh, but he's definitely known for ending uh, the Super Bowl in 2010. Uh, p- 
picking off Peyton Manning and running back for a touchdown. I um, called that that night, by the way. You did? I remember that. <laughs> just to, just yeah. to kind of PO our friends that are IU and Colts fans. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we were rooting for the Saints. But he uh, he also had a game ceiling pick six at my first uh, Denver Bronco home game. Yeah. And Peyton Manning's first game against Steelers. He picked off Ben Roethlisberger to He's end the Bronco, game. Huh? Yeah, for a year or two. Yeah, Vegas. 2012, 2013. I think maybe just 2012. He wasn't too bad. But that was definitely his highlight of his Broncos career was that week one. Um, speaking of Broncos, Tim Tebow. Timmy. Uh, the Dolphins got his career started. They uh, did. They blew a pretty big lead, and Tebow ended up winning it. Um, that was worse than Lynn Sanity. That was just the absolute worst. I, I hated every single second of that. Um, he was a terrible quarterback that just they found ways to win, and it was awful. And then they got exposed by the New England Patriots, where I think Brady threw more touchdowns. Um, well, there there was some stat he he threw more touchdowns than Tebow had completions, or something like that, or pretty close. It to was it. a whooping. It was a whooping. His his last NFL career passing touchdown came to the late Demarius Thomas against the Steelers in the wild card round. Okay. So that's kind of what he's remembered for, I guess, mm-hmm. in his pro yeah, career. That that's what my definitely. dad was pointing to. But college career, he's one of the best of all time. But no, uh, for sure, pro career. Uh, like I always say, uh, Curtis Painter changed NFL history because he was yeah. he was so bad that uh, the Colts got the number one pick and decided to move on from Peyton Manning, and Peyton became a Bronco, and changed. And Luck became a Colt, and it changed NFL history. Because if Curtis was any better, they wouldn't have. They probably keep Manning. Tebow would have still been in Denver, and who knows. What happens from there? So. Yep. David Tyree. Helmet catch. Oh, yeah. Was not a good receiver at all. Didn't really do a whole lot in his career. But uh, one of the most well-known plays in the history of sports, regardless of sport. Mm-hmm. Still can't figure out how he caught the ball and came down with it. But I know it happens. Yeah. Malcolm Smith. Malcolm, who is Malcolm Smith? Linebacker for the Seahawks that was Super Bowl 48 MVP against the Broncos. Yeah, uh, he was obviously unbelievable in that game. He was. Um, he had that uh, pick six. That ball got batted up yeah. in the air. and Yeah, he was the – he was the um, – he, he un, an underrated or unknown part of that unbelievable defense yes. there. Yes, yes. Bobby Wagner. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was, he was the other guy. Because if you ask the average Joe who – Seahawks Super Bowl MVP was Super Bowl 48. They're going to say Russell Wilson or Richard Sherman or Bobby Wagner, maybe even, or or um, Earl Thomas. You know, you know, I could go on and on. Not not uh, Malcolm Smith. But. Yeah. Um, Dallas Braden. Uh, pitched perfect game on Mother's Day, I believe it was, uh, mm-hmm. against uh, – who was that against? I don't remember who it was against. He was terrible, though. Um, <laughs> he, was, he was not a good pitcher. Brady Anderson. Steroids. <laughs> 50, 50, 50 bombs one year out yeah, of nowhere. That is the only logical explanation for why he he did what he did. One guy I was going to put on the list, but for some reason I thought he hit more in my head than he did was Brett Boone. I thought Boone hit like 51, but it was 37 oh. for the Mariners. And then he had 37, and then two years later he had 32. But that was the only time he was in the, the 30 club in his career. He had like yeah, he, 253, and two of those years made up a good decent amount of that. He, he was a meathead. Yes, yes, he was a juicer. Two more here. Jerome Watson for his 30-game hitting streak. I never heard that name before. In my I didn't either. Life. That's why he put 30-game hitting streak, I think, here in Jerome the text. Watson. So. <laughs> and lastly, John Hart. What? Was he thinking Jerome Walton, maybe? Walton. I, I said Watson. Walton. Okay. Walton. Sorry, read it wrong. For, yeah, for uh, a f- former Cubby. Um, also wasn't very good, but he did have 30-game history. And John Hart. Next. No comment. <laughs> that's the last one. That was just for a good chuckle there. That was no a good comment. Chuckle. Uh, but that is the Word Association segment for this week's episode. It's brought to you by Like It Is Every Week, Performer Print 2 Promo Group. If you're looking for a trustworthy, dependable resource for an extra trade show, company picnic, or sales meeting, Performer Print 2 Promo Group has over 50 years combined experience in promotional products and commercial print. They strive for fast and efficient response to all your print needs. You need to look no further. Let them be your one-source print and promotional company today by giving Barbara Van 
Ginsburg a call at 574-210-3815 or you can email her at barbara.vanweinsberg at proforma.com. Do you want to be educated? I always need educated. On this day in 1966, Tom Seaver signed with the Mets for a reported $50,000 bonus. It was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, that's a bargain there. Yeah, now it uh, is. On this day in 1987, the Chicago Cubs traded Dennis Eckersley to the Oakland Athletics for three minor leaguers. And uh, Eckersley turned into a superstar closer with the Oakland A's. Louisiana Lightning. Yeah, he was a pretty good starter with the Cubs and with the Red Sox before that. But uh, his career kind of took off um, when he became closer. On this day in 1988, Mario Lemieux. Mario Lemieux wins Mm -hmm. NHL scoring title, stopping Gretzky's seven-year streak. Mario was a stud for the Penguins. Uh, It was really good. They got cancer, so he had to take some time off, came back, picked it up like he never left. Then I think he retired, and then he came back again and was pretty decent and got into – management ownership at one time with the penguins or at least management maybe he was an owner maybe just gm so hockey legend for sure yeah I, I think of when i think of pittsburgh penguins i think of him and Sidney crosby right away mm-hmm. on this day in 1989 who won the men's basketball national championship and also who was named tournament uh, most outstanding player 89 this one's painful for me was it michigan it was Michigan. Glenn Rice? Glenn Rice, you got her. On this day in 1991, Bo Jackson signed a one-year contract with the Chicago White Sox. One of the greatest athletes of all time, mm-hmm. if not the greatest athlete of all time. He uh, owns a big sports complex that I can pretty much see from my house. <laughs> Ever been um, to it? I've not been to it. Okay. Uh, on this day in... 1995, who won the men's basketball championship? Was that Arkansas? Were they 94? They were the runner-up that year. Hmm. Who beat Arkansas is the question. UNLV? It was UCLA. Oh. oh, I did not know... Um, UCLA won a title in the 90s. That was the year they hit the buzzer beat against Missouri in the first or second round. Gotcha. In Boise, Idaho, I believe. Because I remember, the only reason I remember that is one of the March Madness games. You had to do this, like, historic moments in the NCAA tournament, and that was one of them you had to play. (laughs) On this day in 2000, who won the men's basketball championship? 2000 was Michigan State Spartans over the Florida Gators. It was. They were the only top four seed to make the... The final four was also uh, Wisconsin and North Carolina. Florida beat North Carolina, Michigan State beat Wisconsin because Wisconsin beat Purdue in the Elite Eight. Purdue would have been in the final four in Indy against Michigan State if they would have won that. Who they beat during the regular season. Yeah, yeah, that was that, as you said earlier, was in Indianapolis. And I remember we went down to the final four when I was a kid uh, just to do all the like activities. It was it was really cool. But I remember watching Florida's um, open practice. Mike Miller oh, was a stud for Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan State, Mateen Cleaves, and Maurice Peterson, Mo Pete. Yeah. Um, yep. And in Wisconsin, that was before Bo Ryan got there. Um, in North Carolina, that was – I don't know who their head coach was. It was right before – No, it was right before he took over. So – No idea. Because he never did well there. He never got to a Final Four. Who won in 06? 06 would have been Florida over was? UCLA. Yep. Who was MOP? Uh, probably either Noah Brewer or, or Horford. I'll say Horford. Noah. Noah. Because that, that team was Horford loaded, but you, was, you, you. Go ahead. Sorry. Horford was the best. Um, yeah. Out of those guys. Well, and then UCLA, you had Kevin Love. Or was he the next year? He was the next year. Was he? I think. Well, well UCLA they, made the final four three had, three or four years there. Back to the final because they had like Aaron Afalo, Kevin Love, Trevor Reza, 
Um, Jordan Farmar. Jordan Farmar. All those guys mixed in those teams. Russell, Russell Westbrook. It's been hell and got the three Final Fours in four years. Mm-hmm. There, so. Yeah. Um, on this day in 2019, last one here, uh, Spurs coach Greg Popovich is ejected after an NBA record low 63 seconds. <laughs> he received two technical fouls and a verbal confrontation with a ref. That's just not one to go to work that day. Yeah. Um, they were, like, they've been bad for a while. That's now. just like Dan Dockage claims that he knew Knight was going to do something crazy when he threw the Knight. He threw the chair against Purdue in 85. Dockage is the biggest <laughs> dummy. He, he, uh, yeah, I know. I know. I know. He uh, He's something. But uh, speaking of Bob Knight, I did see he got out of the hospital today. I didn't even know he was in the hospital, but he's not really? He's not doing very good health-wise, it sounds like, so, which is too bad. Uh, but, his arch nemesis, um, Gene Cady, made the Hall of Fame, though. Yeah, time. after years and years of being on the ballot and, you know, not getting in, he finally got in. And so did Greg Popovich, the guy you just mentioned, and Paul Gasol and uh, Dwayne Wade, Tony Parker. Um, long list this year, long list of guys. So yeah, but I was happy for Gene. Something cool he can he can do um, one more time. And I laughed why everybody was in suits and stuff at the Final Four. He was in a Purdue hat and Purdue shirt, (laughs) and it looked like sweatpants. Yeah, a Hawaiian Purdue shirt at that. So he's ready to hit the golf course. Right. Gosh, a man who wears sweatpants in those situations is a man after my own. Yep, they don't care. (laughs) Uh, Women's. National championship yesterday. LSU beat uh, Iowa. Um, and yesterday was only the third national championship game played in women's um, college basketball history that a one seed was not present. They've been playing national championship games since the 70s. Upsets just don't game. happen in women's basketball, women's yeah. collegiate basketball like they do at men's for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, Caitlin Clark couldn't get it done. There's been a whole lot of controversy about uh, – Angela Reese or Angel, whatever her name is, uh, celebration. No problem with it. Nope, Kate, me Kate neither. Talks a lot of trash as well. It's all, um, it's all competition, it's competitiveness. Yeah. Um, I maybe LSU shouldn't have kept doing as long as they did at the end, but That's whatever, whatever. It is yeah. what it is. I have no problem yeah. with it. It's, it's uh, with the world social media and everything. You can't do anything without getting criticized anymore. So. Yeah. Is Caitlin Clark the face of Big Ten basketball right now? She should be. Mm-hmm. I, I think she is. She should be, but I, I don't. I don't know. I still think if you pulled a lot of men in the country, they know who Zach Eady is over Caitlin Clark. Oh man, yeah. I'd, I'd choose Clark over Edie any day of the week. Oh, she could she could have played big time minutes for Purdue against Fairleigh Dickinson. They needed somebody that could shoot like that. <laughs> that but uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I'd be. I'd be really interested how to know that answer. I know the Big Ten pushes her more than any player I've ever seen. Well, they should. They should. Uh, yeah, as 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 they should. Yep. Um, any more college hoops talks before we move somewhere? No, um, no. But I will let everybody know who the honest day is brought to you by, and that is Mooney Woodcrafts. Mooney Woodcrafts is a veteran-owned and operated woodcraft shop based out of North Carolina with Indiana grassroots. They provide 100% hand-cut custom designs to fit your needs, and their pieces are a great addition to any home, office, or man cave. You can see some of their recently completed projects by uh, following them and checking out their Instagram and Facebook page at Mooney Woodcrafts is their handle on there. And if you let them know the Tan and J-Man show sent you, you get 15% off your first order. Uh, baseball. Um, started <laughs> on Thursday. This is the kind of the hardest I've ever had trying to get into it for whatever reason. Um, I don't know if it's the rule changes that I just haven't been following as much, but honestly, the rule changes are really good for the sport, and I really like them uh, for the most part. Um, if it's the fact that Cubs are probably going to be semi-mediocre, um, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I just, I've just had a hard time getting into it. Maybe it's just because I was busy over the weekend and couldn't really watch a whole lot, but uh um, I mean, you, you can't really say there's any surprises yet as far as teams goes because the most team, games teams have played is only four games. Um, so um, around the league, though, um, the Texas Rangers really took it to the uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, the reigning NL champs. Uh, Phillies bullpen was atrocious all week, all weekend. They gave up 11 runs in three and two-thirds innings on Saturday. 
than lost last night. So that, that was kind of funny. Uh, good for Texas. Texas needed to get off to a hot start. Um, as far as the Cubs go, um, they're one and two. Offense looks atrocious. Bullpens look bad so far. <laughs> um, they were staked. Uh, Cody Bellinger hit a three-run homer uh, today as we're uh, doing this show, and then Drew Smiley comes out, gives up three runs back, so it's tied at three in the top of the second right now. Um, I, I'll, I'll get there, but uh, as of right now, I, I don't know what it is. I've just had a hard time um, getting into it, and it's really kind of been that way since – um, Jed traded away all the guys I used to love. <laughs> I, I, that's that's got that's got to be it. Uh, but as as far as the rule changes go with the pitch clock and all of that, I have some stats here. Um, through the first four days of MLB season, um, by the numbers, games played this year, there's been 50. Last year, there's 49. To this point, uh, they have cut down 31 minutes uh, on the average time of game. The average time of game now. Uh, so far as two hours and 38 minutes, where last year it was three hours and nine minutes. Um, batting average is up 15 points. On base percentage is up 15 points. Slugging percentage is up 18 points. There have been 41 more stolen bases this year than there were all of last year. Um, and people are complaining about the pitch clock violations. There's been 40 so far, which is less than one a game. So these uh, they've, they've completely cut off dead time. Uh, and then with the shift, there's more action, more balls in play. We've already seen in this game that I'm watching right now, um, Eric Hosmer and um, who else for the Cubs uh, wouldn't have had a hit last year um, if the, the shift was the same as it is now. The Reds probably wouldn't have scored three runs in that first inning had the shift not um, or had the shift still be in effect. So um, love the rule changes so far. Hopefully it gets people to start watching the game. Um, I'm not going to give Rob Manfred any credit because I hate that guy, but uh, um, the collaborative effort, effort uh, with everyone else there has uh, has has been good for the game so far, and I've seen zero complaints whatsoever. Yeah, I'm I'm all for the rule changes. Um, I mean, a lot of them are going to take time to get used to, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm one. Of, I was one of the advocates to make the games go by a little quicker and get rid of the dead time, like you like you mentioned. So. I'm all for that. Uh, Yankees are off to an interesting start. Aaron Judge looks good. Garrett Cole looked really good. Um, some other areas of the team, not so much yet, but we'll see. It's early. Um, I, don't, I haven't watched a lot of baseball, <laughs> to be honest, over the weekend. I just seen um, highlights and box scores. So The Tampa Bay Rays are 3-0. and They just they beat up on a horrendous Detroit Tigers team. Uh, gave up three runs in four games. Guys took no hitters into the sixth inning. <laughs> uh, the Rays will pitch and they'll play defense. And so far, uh, they're pitching. They argu- arguably have the best pitching staff in all of baseball. Um, and they'll they'll continue to do what they've done really for the better part of twelve years now, um, which is incredible to even think about after how bad they were uh, when they became an expansion franchise. That they're now. Maybe the best run organization in baseball with uh, with the lack of attendance, lack of money. Uh, they just have to find different ways to win, and they do it every single year. Uh, Ray Davis here on Facebook said the Sox gave up seven homers a day. They did. Michael Kopech gave up four in one inning. Um, eh, it's not going to help you win. Usually you don't last through the inning when you give up that many um, in one inning, but I think it happened in the first inning, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um so the Mets uh, yeah, lost tens up today. Yeah, Mets had been playing well. Frank the Tank was not happy today. <laughs> he's um, he's not happy when they win. So yeah, he he I saw he he took a road trip with another bar stool guy down to Miami. Yep, uh, a forty hour drive with Frank the Tank would be uh, something to behold. You know, and if I'm as popular as Frank and sells much merch as he does, I keep the I keep the gimmick up too of yeah. being negative and not not happy because yeah. that's what people want to see. So. I've. I, I've heard Frank's a really nice guy too. Yeah, um, this it's kind of his persona now. Yep, this is gimmick. Um, He's kind of yep. hey, throw tantrums and himself. yeah. Hey, if somebody pays me that much money to throw tantrums, I'll throw tantrums. That's right. So, Ray's had a I'll few. Start, other- I'll start right now if you want. <laughs> I don't have a bleep button ready. Um, <laughs> Ray Davis has also commented a few other things on Facebook. I'm just now seeing over here. Um, he said, Tiger's at Augusta already. We'll be talking about the Masters here momentarily, but I did see that as well. He played with your boy, McElroy. Um, 
He also said local high school news, Tippecanoe Valley has requested their release from the TRC conference shakeup trickling down to to high school, which is, yeah, we're seeing more and more teams realign high school conference-wise, just like we, we've seen in college too, which is interesting. Yeah, I think we're just going to continue to see that. Um, yep. There have been talks, I even with going back to the transfer portal and college basketball, there have been talks of guys trying to team up to create super teams in college basketball. Um, super, super teams really hurt the NBA, in my opinion. Um, ratings are down. They're the lowest they've been in a long time. Um, of course, my numbers could be wrong due to the sources I've heard this uh, from. <laughs> but um, it just seems like you don't hear about the NBA nearly as much as you had in the previous couple seasons for whatever reason. And uh, I think, I mean, they're creating super conferences, college uh, sports. They're going to create super conferences in high school. So the way it goes. Well, and everybody could, you know, everybody wants to say it was LeBron, Bosch, and Wade that started the super teams. And I always argue it was actually the Boston Celtics yeah. when they got Ray Allen to go with Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Mm-hmm. So that's um, – Yeah, that that was kind of the first that I can remember. Because, um, I mean, you look at the good teams in the 90s, Carl Malone and uh, John Stockton drafted by the Jazz. Uh, Jordan Pippen drafted by the Bulls. They didn't try to go and create right. somewhere else. And then, of course, they added good pieces to that, like picking up a Dennis Rodman uh, type. But, um, I mean, you could call that a super team, but that wasn't them going out of their way to create a super team. Right. Um, is the thing. Uh, going back to baseball, any interest, interesting series this week to, to watch for? Um. I'd have to go look at the schedule real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I can pull um, it up. I got my phone right here. Not uh, the Cubs who do the Cubs the, play this week? The Cubs play the Reds, and then they, I think they played the Texas Rangers, maybe at home over the weekend. Uh, Phillies Yankees on paper is a really good series. And zero zero bottom of first right now. After starting zero uh, three, they they need to get some wins, but that's a real tough place to go and try to do it. Um. Giants, White Sox, this at Braves, Cardinals is a really good series this week. Um, other than that, though, not in the early part of the week anyway. Angels, sure. Mariners could be decent. Yeah, I watched a little bit of the Mariners game yesterday, and that crowd is jazzed up, juiced up, whatever you want to call it. Um, they've been wanting good baseball for years. They got it last year, finally made uh, – the playoffs and it felt like a playoff game in game three yesterday. They, uh, when the pitch clock was winding down, they, they were counting five, four, three, tried to, uh, throw the pitcher off its rhythm. But, um, yeah, good, good for the, good for the Mariners. They're, they're an easy team to root for. You know, uh, who else the Mariner fans are jazzed up about and want to bring back and are excited for Sonics. There you go. That's good. Bring them back. Nice little segue. Bring them back. back well, just back. it shows they. I mean, they, they show up for Kraken games. They show up for MLS games. Mm-hmm. And the Sonics were there in Seahawks games. And the Sonics were arguably their favorite team. Yeah. <laughs> in the city at the time, it was just um, you know issue over arena and, and some money things and, and on to Oklahoma City they went. Yeah, Oklahoma City's still a real weird NBA city for me. Yep. Yep. It, Always it, will it be. doesn't really fit. Yeah. It's kind of like Salt Lake City. Even though the Jazz have been to – well, Thunder have been to finals as well. I was going to say Jazz have been to two yeah. finals. but The thing about the Jazz, though, is, is they've been there for a long time. I mean, and the Thunder just decided to move out of nowhere right. to Oklahoma City. They could have moved anywhere. I don't know why they didn't stay West Coast and well, go to Vegas. Or well, something. Oklahoma City, what helped them was the year of Katrina when the Hornets had to play a lot of their games in Oklahoma City. Right. Um, that's right. That kind of showed the NBA that Oklahoma City would back a team. So that's how yeah. they got him. Yeah. So. Any other baseball thoughts? No. No. Got right. nothing. Well, let's talk some Masters, shall we? Uh, the premier yeah. event for all golf fans and non-golf fans, really. When you think of golf, non-golf fans probably think of the Masters right away. Um, comes once a year, always in April, down in Augusta, Georgia. Um, hard tickets to get, so if you get there, Consider yourself lucky. Still on my bucket list one of these days. I want to go to a real round, though, one of the actual rounds, one through four, not the not the practice rounds, even though I would take that over nothing. Don't get me wrong. But uh, always look forward to this year, this time of year. It's great to hear uh, Jim Nance 
welcome everybody to Augusta with his hello friends. You know, I know we talked about this the other day because tonight's the last time he's ever going to call a uh, NCAA national championship game as he's hanging it up for a college basketball announcing this year. But what a tough gig to go from the national championship down to Augusta, Georgia to call the Masters. Not that's not too shabby. <laughs> no, no, it's not. But look at it, it. It is kind of cool that he's calling the last his last Final Four, and it's in Houston where he uh, he went to yes. school. Where he uh, roomed with Freddie Couples. Mm-hmm. So, uh, looking at the Masters odds, uh, this was as of April 1st on DraftKings. Scotty Scheffler, the defending champion, and Rory McIlroy, one of the hottest golfers in the world. J-Man's guy, they were tied for the best odds to win. Followed by John Rahm, then Jordan Spieth, Patrick Cantlay, Tony Finau, Justin Thomas, Xander Schauffele, Jason Day. I was surprised to see him have that good of odds. He's having a good season, though. Uh, Dustin Johnson, so there's one of your live guys right there. Uh, Colin Morikawa, Cameron Smith, another live guy. Max Homa, Cameron Young, Will Zalatoris. I could go on and on. Um, but a couple a couple live names. Tiger Woods is at plus 7,000. Um, Bryson DeChambeau, plus 9,000. Uh, where is Phil Mickelson at? He's got to be way down on the list. Phil Mickelson is at plus 30,000. Odds to win, which is not very good. He's been playing terrible. He has been playing very bad, um, but he's getting paid very well. Uh, then you got guys on the senior tour like VJ Singh, Sandy Lyle, Larry Meisen, Jose Maria Abathabo with plus, uh, oh my gosh, how many zeros is that? I believe that's plus 500,000 <laughs> uh, odds. So. Um, no, that's yeah, that's five hundred thousand. Yeah, because Phil was plus thirty thousand. Yeah. Where where was Rory at? Rory's at the tied for the best at plus seven hundred to win. Yeah, he bet he is best tied. Which he's. Yeah. It's always interesting because Rory's. I mean, he was the Faction Cup champ last year. He's been playing well this year, but Augusta's the one thing he hasn't done, and everybody knows it. He knows it. It's can he handle the pressure? Which I think he had a top five finish there last year, if I'm not mistaken. He kind of got hot late. Um, but it's, it's usually the Saturday that kills him there. So not this year, buddy, not this year. You got You got to book it. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, what, what is your personal favorite masters, um, tournament, man? That's a good one. <clears throat> There's been a lot of good ones. Um, I enjoyed the one, I think it was 2010, uh, one of Phil's victories, he hit one from the pine straw in this gap of a tree like this mm-hmm. um, on the par five over the creek. Um, that was a fun one to watch. I mean, Tiger's had a lot. I'm not a big Tiger Woods fan, but he's had a lot of great moments, especially in 2019 when he won. Um, you know, I'm always peed at the year Jordan or Patrick Reed won, which is 2018, because if he misses upon the last hole, Ricky Fowler gets in the playoff. So, which Ricky's not in it for the third straight year. Uh, he was close. But you have to do certain things to get in or be top 50 in the world, and he was 59th. Um, so he's playing better, though. He's gotta, he needs to find a find a way to get in the other three majors this year and see if he can do some damage. But he's playing better, but always bummed when he, when he can't play because he plays well at Augusta. That's, what, that's what, 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 why, is, why it's a bummer being a Fowler fan. But, uh, yeah, a lot of good memories at the Masters, a lot of good – incredible shots um a lot of guys too that are one hit wonders i could have put some masters yeah. winners in that one hit wonders list but um but i i wasn't who, gonna do who that. was that one the year spieth choked was that a year spieth choked yeah it was danny willett and That's he was right. a one hit wonder absolutely um, yeah yeah he was a one hit wonder so i forgot about that guy to be honest i don't even see him on the list i'm sure he's in the <laughs> field if he's healthy but it's going to be interesting this year now that the Live Tour, you know, has been around for a year, and their guys or the ones that are qualified to are playing. It'll just be interesting to see how the TV networks cover them mm-hmm. this week too. How much do they show them? Because if a guy's in contention Sunday, you got to show them. So you know, yeah. if Kepka or or Dustin or or, or Cameron Smith or DeChambeau get in the mix. You got to cover him, so or yeah. Phil, but Phil's not gonna be in the mix. That'd be a heck of a story, but he's not gonna be in the mix. So yeah, he's he's been shooting like eighty, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. He's not. He's been struggling, and yeah. and uh, Cameron Smith packed two different outfits for every day. One set has live 
logo on it, his team logo for Liv, because they have teams. The other one doesn't. He says nobody's told him yet that he can't wear it. So we'll see come Thursday. Is uh, Cameron Smith the one who won the British last year? Yes, he did, and he was knocking on the door every week. Um, and then it was a horrible kept secret that he was going to be going. Yeah. Um, he kind of batted around the bush when they were asking him in the, in the press conference that week. So, um, And actually, Cameron Smith is my pick to win the Masters. Mm-hmm. I, I have to pick a live guy because that was one of my bold predictions for 2023 was a live guy would win the Masters. And I feel like his game's in the best shape to do it right now. Um, if you were to not have to pick a live guy, who would you take? Yeah. Um, I know we on Facebook, I put it out there and, uh, and, uh, good friend of the show, Dan Munson from down in the Tampa, Florida region. He picked Jordan Spieth, which is always a safe pick, especially mm-hmm. if Jordan, Jordan can get the putter rolling. But, uh, looking at the guys here, if I, I would actually take Cameron Young. He's, uh, He's a young guy on tour. Um, he's been in the contention in some of the majors, but hasn't won one yet. But I like the way he's been playing, so I would take Cameron Young. It's it's time. Is it time? Is it for time? for what what year in a row we started? So the first Masters we covered <laughs> would have been 2017. So for the uh, sixth straight year, I guess. I would say I I wonder when my um, <laughs> string of always booking. Rory started for every major or every even tournament. We it was a while. About. It's been a while. I mean, that's why we got a t-shirt. That's why we got a t-shirt on Tan and J man show store. Store.com. So uh, this will be the J man's book it prediction of the week. Rory gets done and he creates the or creates. He completes the career grand slam. He finally does it. Um, the J man's curse is very real, but I feel it's like, very real. I feel like it's, it's going to happen eventually. And, uh, this, this is when it's going to happen. And, and you know what, that, that'd be a nice little middle finger to the live tour guys too. And I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure the P, the PGA is hoping upon hope that, uh, Rory wins it. He is the spokesman and the face of the tour aside from Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. And he's been outspoken about his dislike of live and everything yeah. so it would be very interesting it would be interesting yeah. to see him in a, a kepco or or a uh cam smith or somebody or dustin yeah. johnson in the final group yeah jay man's book and prediction week is brought to you by indiana farm bureau insurance agent travis watchering for life home auto business renters workers comp and farm insurance contact travis 219-869-4561 is emails travis.watchering at infb.com Looking forward to watching the Masters, and I'll have a little recap on it next week. Yeah, uh, I I tend to watch the final round of each major. Yeah, usually at least the final couple holes. The, I mean, I mean, if it's a blowout, then I'm not gonna. Sure, sure. Usually, Augusta, you don't see anybody really yeah, run away with rare. it. Yeah, and really, what's, what's the, the the largest margin of victory at a Masters tournament? That's a great question. I do not know off the top of my head, but I will look it up and have it for you next week. And as they say about the Masters. The uh, yes, you should have. The uh, the tournament doesn't start till the back nine on Sunday. That's mm-hmm. always the old saying. That's so, true. Yep. yeah, and uh, a fir- a potential first time winner uh, has a <laughs> has a small lead that back nine. Yep. Man, I'm sure their legs start going numb. Going in the water on twelve on the par three. We, that's what got Tiger back in it yeah. in 2019. Francisco Molinari hit one that hit the bank and went in the water and opened mm-hmm. the door. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, read that birdie or bogey for me one more birdie time, please. Bogey. Uh, Dan Hurley or Brian Dutcher will become the fourth head coach in the last 20 seasons to win a title within their first four NCAA tournament appearances with a school. Can you name the other three? All right. Um, I'm going to take a stab at this first guy here. Tubby Smith. Incorrect. Did he go to to, or did he win a title in the past 20 years? Oh, shoot. 20 years. I'm I'm an idiot. Um, I thought it was 30 Um, because he won one at Kentucky. Um, um, 20 years. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll see here. I've got to go back in my head here. Who's all won them? Kevin Ollie. Kevin Ollie. Um. Should have had this ready in my head. Um, gosh, I'm choking like a dog here. 
choking like a dog. Um, I don't think that guy, I think that guy was there longer than four years when he won it. Um, oh my gosh. Bill Self? Nope. Jeez. Roy Williams? Roy Williams is one. Carolina? Um, I've, I've got the, I've got the red light syndrome going. I can't, I can't, I, my, my brain's frozen. I can't. On Cal Perry at Kentucky, 2012. Yep. Oh, I deserve a big old fat bogey. That's fitting. And you're going to get one too. So, uh, thanks yep. for watching. That's embarrassing. Be Tan and J-Man show live on the ISC Sports Network. Have a great uh, rest of the week and we'll be back at it next Monday. See you everybody.